welcome to Help for Hip Dysplasia podcast. I'm Laura McGeary and today with us we have Neil Williams um, from Playskate. Hi Neil. Hello there. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Not a problem. Um, so we have connected recently through Facebook um, after hearing some of the podcasts and I'm really excited to say that you've come to us with a slightly different journey and a different perspective on hip dysplasia. Um, there's a personal connection for you that's brought you to a point in your career where you've actually started designing products to help people with hip dysplasia at the early stages of their journey. So um, if it's okay with you, I'd like to just sort of ask where that personal connection started. Where was the first time you even heard the word hip dysplasia? Well, as I said, until I started this journey, I'd never, ever heard of hip dysplasia. And um, uh, it's actually quite surprising because when I've been on this journey, I've mentioned to my friends, all these stories pop out of nowhere. So, oh, well, my, my sister, um, her son had hip dysplasia since he was two months old. And he's actually still having operations at 18. And so and then someone else. And it was quite amazing how I actually it's something people don't talk about. Uh, and you don't see it generally. So my journey started uh, over in California. Um, I ski every year with a really my best friend. And unfortunately, their daughter was late diagnosis at two years old. And uh, she was pulling her hair out that she had no way of moving. She's a really active child. She'd learned to walk. And she just felt really quite upset that we'd taken away her ability to move and walk freely. So uh, between us, uh, we devised something and created and built something quite rudimentary, but it worked absolutely beautifully. Uh, supported the legs, allowed her to move around freely on wheels rather than uh, the usual dragging across the carpet or, or the stones. And um, that's where it all started, helping uh, someone really, really close to me. They call me uncle, so it's my pseudo niece. Um, that's where it all started. Um, slightly on from that, we took it to Shriners Hospital, which is the hospital that treated Evie over in California. And she was scooting through the hospital and all the kids were going, wow, that's so cool, because they were all stuck. And the surgeon, um, she saw it and said, wow, you should do something with that, because there's nothing really available. There's scooter boards and things, but they don't really work. They're not comfortable. So that's where it all started. We, Clay is, is a teacher. Um, and a geologist. His wife, um, uh, Belinda, is a nurse, qualified nurse, and they're just so busy raising kids, and they said, Neil, you've got to do something with this, and that's where it will start. <laughs> no obligation whatsoever there. No, it's three and a half years ago now when we started this journey. So you said initially that, um, that Evie was quite upset at being at having her mobility and sort of freedom taken away from her. I suppose. What were the first signs that she, that she was that was up, she was upset or distressed? How was? <laughs> um, <laughs> I wasn't there when she first had the operation, but this, I, I have to be careful here because this is being recorded, and she might listen to me. She's now <laughs> seven years old, and she might beat me. Um, and she's super strong now, which is, it, you know, her upper arm strength is incredible, which I hear so often, um, you know, people bringing things above their heads and, you know, it's not normal, but they are superheroes. So anyway, um, tantrums, sorry, I have to be, <laughs> I feel so good. She wasn't happy. She wasn't happy. Um, so yeah, she wasn't happy. And that was after the surgery, was it? Yeah, yeah. And which surgery did she have? Um, I believe it was open reduction and I believe they all 
call it slightly different out there as well. So I'm, I'm not the most technically gifted and I'm terrible at medical names or actually people's names. But uh, yeah, I think it was um, open and enclosed. I believe it was closed and open. I can't remember which one. Um, but yeah, it was, it was um, three months in cast after the first operation. And that was a spiker cast? Yes, full, full spiker cast, both legs down to the ankles. And what, what's, um, sorry, just off track here, but the parents didn't spot it. It was the auntie who said, she doesn't seem to be walking very well. Uh, they had no idea. So she went through all her routine assessments and checks when she was, when she was a baby. Um, yep. And nothing was picked up there. Nothing at all. Um, and then obviously at two years old, her auntie spotted something odd with the way that she was walking. Yep. Just um, being going behind her and saying, oh, you know, it doesn't look like she's walking normally. You should go get it checked out. And, and my friends are very much like everyone busy. And it's, oh, um, yeah, we'll, we'll check it out. We'll, we'll do something. So I assume at that point she wasn't in any distress. She wasn't in pain. She was no. still very active. Massive. She was all over the place. She's like super kid already. She just, yeah, nonstop. <laughs> I mean, most kids are, I guess. I mean, there's a few who are quieter, if you're lucky. But generally, like 18 months onwards, they're walking, they're charging, they're discovering stuff. They're, you know, doing what kids love to do, which is just, yeah, <laughs> energy. <laughs> we suffer when we're older. <laughs> Transplant some of it. And so she then took her in and she was reassessed, I assume. Do you know any part about that reassessment process going from... Not yeah, it, yeah, it's... Um, so she was taken in. The doctor immediately said, there is something wrong. You need to go and get x-rays. Okay. So my friends went on holiday, as you do, and thought nothing of it. I just thought, oh, well, it's, you know, it's just a little bit right. And when he came back, they saw the doctor a couple of weeks after for something else. I said, so what did the x-rays say? What's the report? I said, oh, we haven't done it yet. No, no, you need to do it. And that's when they realized there might be something wrong. And then everything snowballed from there on. Yes, uh, you need surgery. That was the next thing. So it was very, very quick once they, uh, the x-rays, uh, I believe MRI might have also been taken, uh, was done. Um, and then they were in deep shock. And they're really chilled people. Californians live in the mountains. They're, yeah, the change was, was horrific. I mean, as, as you probably heard this yourself, so it's the parents who freak out. The kids are kind of like nonchalant because they already know. Well, but they the just parents... like they deal with whatever situations put in front of them, don't they? You know, exactly. they just they cope. Um, but you know, again, this brings us nicely into the next phase where you know, enter enter Neil. Um, it, there's a very big difference between coping and thriving in that situation. I agree with that. I don't know if anyone's done research on that, but I think that's fascinating. Um, every mother. Every parent says, oh, they're amazing. After a week, they're, they're getting on and they're coping. But I, I don't know the actual reality of that. Does it affect you later in life? Um, is, is, uh, you know, most people will say, well, I don't really remember. Or other people said, well, yeah, it might make you stronger. The fact you, you I, I don't know. Be interesting. You know, there, there, are, there are definitely sort of risks that we take in terms of, you know, our development. And, you know, obviously it's, it's all thought up and weighed up in terms of all these processes and the interventions that I had. And, you know, it's, it's obviously the right decision to, to go through with these interventions, but, you know, there are then potentially developmental delays, I suppose, you know, with, you know, that the activity and exploring, um, and, you know, I suppose this is where your thought process came in that you wanted to, uh, to stay as active as possible, exploring and, and continuing as much development as possible. 
Yeah. Uh, to, to be honest, I mean, this is terrible to say, but it's the truth. I think the truth is important. Working, because I arrived uh, short, shortly after, and, and with Clay, <laughs> he's going to kill me as well. <laughs> the, re the reality is, his floor, we had like tile floor, was being destroyed because the cost pretty rough, but it was just scraping around that. And also, it was, it was horrific to see. It, was, it wasn't great to see them dragging across. They had a mixture of carpet and stone, and it, it was winter. And therefore, you couldn't really go out too much outside. And um, it was, it was also the fact that he, that he had to lift her up every like minute or thirty seconds. He was going insane. I mean, he loves you love your kids, but at the same time, you do need to do some of your own work, or cook, or do something. And this just allowed her to move around. And, and it was quite clever. We, we went over there. We put things in different areas, low down, so she could be independent. She could scoot into her bedroom if she wants to get something or come back, you know, it was that almost giving uh, uh, the parent a bit of freedom as much as the child. So it's kind of selfish in a way, but a good kind of selfish because it, it helped everyone. I was um, going to say, it sounds very much like it was a win-win scenario for yeah. everyone involved. Um, Survival, I think they call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's that, that coping versus thriving thing, isn't it? You know, you could cope in that situation, but you know, if you can create a scenario that benefits everybody involved, um, then it's uh, like I said, like a win-win. Mm. Um, so when this process started then, how, what was the first sort of step, I suppose, in trying to create something? Actually, Clay came up with, he, he was moving someone's house, um, helping them move, and he saw some wheels on the bottom of a, like a case, and he just kind of had that eureka moment that, hold on, you could make something and then I got we got a basic like a skateboard we tried a skateboard first of all but it was really uncomfortable because there was no support for the legs because the uh the rear was too narrow there was no all the weight was pretty much on the chest um and used like a blanket and it it, it, it wasn't great so then he thought well looking at this um let's make our own and the father's really good he's got his own workshop um and clay came up with the initial design um and the father made it, which was genius because they had actually gone away for like a week. And when he came back, he'd had it already made. And to be honest, it's not something you could give out to other children because it had nail um, staples on the underside and the wheels weren't protected. But because it was their own kid, you can, you can damage your own kid. It's allowed. Well, kind of allowed, if you know what I mean. But you can't make a product and then ship it out for fear that, you know, any child would be hurt. And also, you know, you're going to get sued. Unfortunately, there is a number of people who go, well, that's, that's a good way of, you know, funding our family for the next hundred years. Yeah. I might point out, I, uh, we as a company have absolutely no money. So please, <laughs> no. No, we, we, we created something which is safe. I mean, that, that's, that's actually what took the most time. So yeah, it was originally just a eureka moment of, wow, this could, this is, this is the answer. This is something fun and, and, and it's going to make all the difference. And it did. I can't tell you. It's like life you know, uh, what was it, uh, light and dark or night and day or whatever that, you know, oh, you want to use it. it. It was, it was, it changed everything. I mean, it sounds crazy to say, but it was from misery to, wow, this is fun. And I, I can't tell you how simple, I mean, we all, you know, we all have moods and, and simple things can change your mood. You know, whether you're a kid or, or, or more so as an adult, you're probably more aware. And it was that. 
it was, you know, I'm all right now. I can do what I want. And that's why I did it, I reckon, because, yeah, for that, I guess. it's If I can, you can do that, there's no amount of money or anything else in the world that gives you that, that um, feeling. And to be fair, I've, I've worked in industries um, from computing, software, things like that, which do help people, but not in the same way. The feedback you get uh, is phenomenal. I mean, so I think, you know, maybe... I've always thought nurses and doctors do great jobs anyway, but I, I can see why they do it because that, you know, some gets paid better than others, but generally it's that feedback they get is just, yeah, it's kind of immeasurable. It's, it's, it's like a, a, a natural high, um, which is cool. I like that. So you went from designing this product for EB specifically yeah. um, and making sure that it was very much personalized for, for EB and then had the thought to potentially do this for other children? Well, unfortunately, at two, she had her first op. The op went well, but they said, look, to be honest, it's, we probably think there's going to be a second operation. So we had like two years. Uh, we knew her operation was coming. And this is might be of interest is that there was a big debate whether or not uh, Clay and Belinda told Evie that there could be an operation or there is going to be another operation. And they decided to tell her at kind of two and a half that when she's three and a half, four, that there will be another operation. And she wasn't happy, but she took it on board. Because um, you can keep that a secret and think, well, two years, we won't mention it, and we'll, we'll surprise her. But um, I think Clay did some, being a teacher, um, he did some analysis and, and people would say, and be interesting to hear other people's feedback, that you should always tell children the truth and not give them surprises. They don't necessarily like surprises. They prefer to build up to it. and. Again, I'd, I'd love to see the research or some people's knowledge on that. But it did seem to work because when she was four, she was not happy. She was really not happy about going in, but she did it. Um, and four massively different problems. Sort of 18 months a year, they're walking, you take their independence away. And I don't mean to be horrible about this, but you do. You, you take that away, something that that newfound thing, which is walking, which is like, it's going to be the biggest thing in your life as a kid. Like, I can walk, I can go where I want. I don't need you anymore. Not you know, in a horrible way, but <laughs> so they're walking and then unfortunately we put them in a cast, which is 100% necessary, but they don't understand that. They just think you've taken something that's mine away. And at four, I think in some ways it's worse because A, they've been walking and they've recovered and they have to go back in again, which is traumatic enough, but they're normally at nursery. And our experience in America is they're happy to have them, but the classes can be 10, 15, 20 children. How can a nursery assistant or, or teacher look after your child over and above everyone else? They can't be moving them all the time. And generally playgrounds, you know, rubber matted ones, whether it be indoors or outdoors, are big places. Um, so again, all that movement, and they're quite heavy at four, not massively, seven is the nightmare. Um, Oh, six, seven, uh, I guess, for boys as well. Um, so this, again, we, she was whizzing around everywhere on it. She even went into hospitals again. And yeah, it, it, it was something that no one else had, which not just in uh, compared to other children who had hip dysplasia or in spiker casts, uh, but also the other children in nursery because... I've heard quite a lot of stories about mothers who are fearful of taking their child to nursery because the children are different. They have a big cast on. And that, you know, we all fear everything. I mean, first day at school for your child is bad enough, but in a cast, 
they might be bullied or picked on or, or not understood because you know, kids are trying to learn themselves and they see something different. This made Evie number one kid. They all wanted to play on her play skate. They were like having goes and it just kind of integrated her. But more importantly, if her best friend was going, you know, talking to her or playing with her and then she went to the sandpit, she could follow her. So she was playing with the sand or she could go over and play with other, you know, uh, uh, toys and, and products because they're all scattered around or building blocks. And she also had now by a, a, a little sister. So her sister used to ride on her back and push her and do, I mean, she had a little baby, but you know, like for two. Um, but yeah, it was kind of integration and that ability to be, and I, I think on our website we say more normal, which I don't really like, but it's probably a better way of saying it. Be more like other kids and move like other kids and do what other kids do and not in any way be held back. And that, that was the key. So that's why we thought, well, this is, this has a purpose. This has you know, real value somewhere, not just beginning first 18 months, you know, even a year old, but right through. And we're looking at making them up for older children as well with muscular dystrophy, which we got approached by people with MD because I believe I'm still doing research on this legs are the first thing. Cause obviously your torso being incredibly heavy, you can't use your legs first of all. And they normally go into wheelchair with an electric wheelchair. Well, why not let them use their arms still? And there's a great story, sorry if I'm waffling on, but there's a story, if, ever, if you're ever depressed or feel sorry for yourself, go look at Grayson's story. And as this kid has his own syndrome, Grayson's syndrome, he has so much put upon him, and yet he's the smiliest kid, most uplifting kid you'll ever meet. So you depressed, look at that story and see the happiest face in the world, and that will cheer you up, because he's a And we're making one for him right now. And that's going to be massive, because... Yeah, it's, it's well, they approached us. They said, we, could you make one? And, yeah, of course we can. But yeah, I didn't even think about that. I'm, I'm learning as well. I'm not a physician, so therefore there's there's things out there that you don't know. And I said, you mentioned right at the beginning, hip dysplasia. I'd never heard about it. I've now met through close friends, probably six families who have been through this. And you may, you said yourself that you've, you've suffered this yourself. Why is it we never see them? It's probably because they're kept at home it's, you know you I don't know why, why are people not seeing well, get, getting out and about was was incredibly difficult um in in my experience um so when I when I was first put in my cast um I before I could wait there through it there was a stage when I was in my cast when I was able to wait there but initially um I remember being taken around so where where I grew up in Bury St Evans in Suffolk I remember being taken around the Abbey Gardens and um, this beautiful um, garden area um, in Bury on basically what looked like a pallet at a garden centre with a handle and um, just being sort of dragged around on my back and you know I was going crazy at home you know I was 10 at the time in this cast and it was the middle you were of 10 years old yes yeah, so I was 10 when so I was really late yeah, so when I had my PA, I was picked up at 18 months, um, but they couldn't do anything about it until I was 10. So that was that was my time. Um, so I was at school, well, it was summer holidays, but going back to school and over the summer, yeah, I just remember being, yeah, pulled around on this on this sort of plat platform bed thing. Um, and I mean, it was, it was embarrassing, but it also it was the best thing because I could just get out and about and be in the sunshine and just mm. get out of the house and that, that meant the world and I know that was probably quite a difficult thing for my parents to go through and really awkward having to transport it all around but 
they did and they did anything that they could to to stop me going crazy in the house and that was really really important to me so yeah having that freedom to get out and about was amazing but I did have to be pulled around and I didn't have that independence to do it for myself until later on down the line when I could wait there on it and I would nothing stopped me then I went back to school and like you were talking about being integrated in a in a school situation um when you're casted and you know it is a little bit more awkward I uh I do remember some very interesting experiences at school, having to sit down on chairs when you can't bend in the middle and um, yeah, very, very awkward stuff. But yeah, it, uh, if there had been something, something to be able to give me a little bit more independence when I wasn't able to wait there for myself again, that, that probably would have been incredible. Yeah, well, 10 year olds is fine. We, we, we scale everything up. It's, uh, I mean, I'm not gonna go too much into the product, but everyone's custom made so we try and fit the shape but that makes it expensive because everything is handmade so we've created one which is adjustable and it really works for sort of kind of 12 months up to probably about four five six depending on the size because every kid is a different size um but yeah that one's adjustable and way way cheaper for us to manufacture um so that helps but uh when they get sort of six seven eight nine ten we custom made them because even then the cast can be all kinds of different shapes and there's more to play with um so yeah it's it's a challenge um but yeah we have that ability to kind of fit the child and yeah so we're, we're shipping out to australia and, and america and uh, obviously they've got better weather bigger houses and therefore there's a massive demand for them because they've got the space england's slightly different because obviously we've got smaller houses but if it's uh, summer and there's playgrounds and nurseries then that's where it, i think it comes into its own in the uk um, so we have chatted about the fact that obviously it, it, it does have quite an emotional connection for you and you said that you've spoken with quite a few different parents and heard a few different parents stories about this. Um, yeah. What would you say having spoken to different families with their experience of going through this with young children that have been the biggest concerns or issues that, that they've brought to you? How long have you got? <laughs> Thing. Um, keeping kids cool you know we've had a horribly horribly hot summer so things like cast coolers are really really good not that expensive and even stories about sort of you know turning uh, getting your hair dryer and setting it on cold and blowing it down the cast make sure it's cold a bit like the old putting your elbow in the in the bathtub type thing make sure it's cold before you blow it down otherwise you're gonna have a screaming kid great I mean thousands of stories um, and the, the, these various um facebook groups uh, and there's many of them um always give good stories but it does require a parent to be proactive and ask a question so i think the idea of creating content which people can go to and see answers to things i think is a really cool thing because um, it is you know it's yeah i suppose that's how we all learn <laughs> yeah. and then um, if if when you look back along this journey um, mm -hmm. from start to where it is now, um, is there one moment that stands out to you as being sort of the, the most pronounced or the most emotional? Um... The first time I saw Evie's face when she was playing, that, that kind of light and day situation of misery to happiness. Um, the, the, the thing that got the thing rolling was the surgeon in the Shriners Hospital in California saying, well, you got to do something with it. This is amazing. So that was kind of the the, the initial thing that she said, okay, we've got to do something. And, and, and then latterly, uh, we only really started telling people only in the UK about um, 
four weeks ago, probably four weeks tomorrow and we, we didn't you know, we don't have huge budget we're not a big corporation or anything we, we just spent a little bit of money putting a few videos together and the response from that has been phenomenal and it, unfortunately when you look at these facebook groups it's generally the majority are people who have already been through this experience so we've had so many if only we had this when our child or in, indeed sometimes it's actually uh like yourself the the children who are now adults saying, oh, this would have been cool. Um, and it's quite hard to actually catch and, and, and allow the, um, the parents who now have a child going into surgery in the near future, uh, you know, whether it's next week or three or four months down the line, um, trying to find those people is, is kind of the challenge. Um, sorry, you didn't ask that specifically, but that, that's the thing I'm trying to solve. How do you do that? And I think, you know, that, that's, I wish I found a way so the, I'm not selling to anyone. If anyone wants one, come to me, we'll talk about it. But I'm not, I don't want to be out there. All I want to say is, if you want, this is available. And that's the biggest, uh, if I could find that, that would be even bigger Eureka moment. Because at least I've done my job. My job is to uh, awareness. And I, th I think the more that people can talk about it, again, like you were talking about raising awareness, being able to just discuss these topics in the open forums and getting more people aware of the different issues that are out there, um, then again, perhaps when people get this initial diagnosis, that information will be more readily available um, right from the start of the process. Um, so, and that's the whole, the whole idea of you know, this podcast and you know, all of the charities that work with all of the researchers out there, we're just trying to make sure that people have as much information as they possibly can from day one. Yeah. And knowing that they've got the support the whole way along that journey. And um, so, you know, with that, I, I thank you so much for coming on and talking about the journey that you've been through, the development stages that it's going through, and really excited to see you know, where it where it goes, where it can go, and all the different areas that you're going to be able to, to work within. So um, if anyone would like to follow um, Neil's journey, please go and find him on Facebook at Place8 um, and have a look at the information that he's got on there um, and the exciting developments that they've got there. But yeah, <laughs> thank you so much, Neil, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today and uh, we'd love to keep in touch. So uh, please, please keep keep chatting with us. Yeah, please. And, and I'm, I'm really glad what, with what you're doing, because just to finish off from my perspective, uh, Clay uh, uh, and Belinda, the parents of Evie, their biggest problem is they couldn't find any information. So th what you're doing, I think, is great. Um, and this was seven years ago when they, when they were looking and there was nothing, couldn't find anything to help them. So, uh, yeah, well done to you, actually making the effort. <laughs> thank you very, very much. And uh, we will keep in touch. Yeah, thank you.